welcome. Great to have you guys here today. Happy Easter. Turn to the person next to you and say, you look so good. Let them know right now. Then turn back and say, I know, I know. So good to see you guys today. Happy Easter. We're so glad you guys are here with us today. I want to say a special hello to all of our campuses right now. We have people watching all across South Texas. Thanks for being a part of our services today. Let's also give it up for our God Behind Bars, guys. Happy Easter. We love you guys. Glad you're part of our services today. It's great to have you here today. Thanks for joining us. We are packed out and in overflow today, so that's exciting. And so thanks for coming out. Wow, it's great to have you. Isn't that great? We love that. Glad you guys are here with us today. You know, 2017 years ago... Our Savior rose again from the grave, and that's what we're really here to celebrate today. That's what Easter is all about, so we're so glad you guys have joined us today. Hey, we'd like to say our mission statement together as a church. Even if you're a visitor with us, you can say it with us. It's on the front of your bulletin there. Our mission is to do what? It's to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. That's what we're all about here at Church Unlimited. Again, thanks for coming. Thanks for being a part of our services today. Well, I heard about these three blondes that died and all ended up at the gates of heaven at the same time. St. Peter walks up to him and says, okay, before I let you in, you have to answer one question. What is Easter all about? The first blonde stepped up and said, oh, I got this. It's once a year when everyone gets together, is super thankful and has a big meal. He goes, no, that's Thanksgiving. Out of here. You're out. You're out. No, no, no. <laughs> Second girl comes up and she says, oh, I know, I know. Easter is all about the birth of Jesus and we give gifts to one another. He says, no, that's Christmas. That's not Easter. So the third blonde steps up and she says, okay, I got this. Okay, Easter is a Christian holiday that coincides with the Jewish Passover where a man named Jesus died on the cross and he was buried in a tomb. They rolled a big stone in front of the tomb and St. Peter says, yes, 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 you got it. She goes, right. And then once a year, Jesus comes out of the tomb and if he sees his shadow, there's six more months of, six more weeks of winter. It's important that we know what Easter's about. So what is Easter all about? Easter comes down to one event, to one historic moment when the man claimed to be God, then he died on the cross, then he rose again from the grave. Without that one event, we have no church. Without that one event, we don't even have Christianity. Without that one event, we have no faith. That one event changed history forever. You literally set your watches and your calendars based upon Jesus rising again. We reset history from that one moment. That's how big of a deal this is. So let's talk about what Easter and what the resurrection proves. Pull out your outlines if you would. Let's get started. Let's dive right in today. And uh, y'all pray for me. My wife is blonde, so I'm telling blonde jokes. I'm probably going to need to ride home. So... What does Easter prove? Three things it proves. The first thing it proves, number one, is the resurrection of Jesus proves that your faith is real. It proves that your faith is real. Look at 1 Corinthians 15. It says, And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless, and your faith is useless. And we apostles would all be lying about God, for we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless, and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if your hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. But in fact, underline fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. This is a historic fact. This is not just a Christian tradition. This is not just a random belief that we just blindly believe. 
without having any evidence. There is factual evidence to back up that Jesus really rose again from the grave. Now, for those of you who are here today thinking, okay, pastor, I hear what you're saying, but you know, my family member dragged me here to church. My spouse or my mom or my dad or whoever dragged me to come to church or my friend dragged me to church today. And I'm really just here to celebrate the issue, but I don't buy it that a guy actually rose again from the grave. When someone says it to me, I always smile and say, based upon what? They always look at me like, what do you mean? I go, well, what do you base your belief on? What are you talking about? So you should probably know why you believe what you believe. So why do you believe that Jesus didn't rise again? Well, I just don't believe it. Okay. Well, I have evidence, so I believe it. Here's my evidence. And I began to explain to them all of the corroborating evidence, corroborating means in a technical sense that other people saw it and they all agree upon what they saw. And so here's the thing that we have on our, uh, in our favor. We have facts. We have historical evidence. In fact, those of you who do not believe the Bible, I actually want to give you a lot of historical evidence that's not in the Bible for just a moment, if I can. Now, I happen to believe the Bible, so I'm not trying to question the Word of God. I believe it's true, and it's been proven to be accurate over and over again. But for those of you who have not done the research yourself, let me save you some time and give you some names to Google today. So right below on your outlines, you will see historians from the first century that confirm Jesus' life, teachings, and resurrection. Here's just a few. Josephus, Thallus, Irenaeus, Eusebius, Tacitus, Julius Africanus, Sapicius Severus, and Suetonius. Google any of their names and you'll find that they were contemporaries to Jesus, meaning they lived the same time that he lived, and they wrote about this. What I'm trying to show you is that this was the CBS, NBC News, CNN, Fox News, MSNBC headline news of their day. Now, if all of those news stations were in agreement on something, wouldn't that be a rare moment? All of these historians all agree that Jesus did live, did do the teachings that he did, did the miracles, died, and rose again. So if they all agree, and they're all from that time period, how can you deny history? This is a historical fact that changed everything. And what's even more significant than, than that is, where are the historians from their day that then refuted them and said, that's not true. We do not even have one that refuted that Jesus rose again. It's that much of a fact. Now, let me just be honest with you, okay? Let me just, let me just level with you, okay? So I am not a New England Patriots fan. I'm, just, I'm not going to lie. I'm just going to tell you the truth. Now, maybe you're a big fan. That's great. Maybe you're from Boston. Maybe you're from the New England area. That's awesome. That's great for you. I'm happy for you. I really am because Tom Brady is amazing. Their team's phenomenal. Bill Belichick is like the coach of all coach. I mean, they're a phenomenal team, right? And so they seem to win all the time. But I'm a Texans fan, okay? The struggle's real. So, <laughs> but I, I, I see New England Patriots fans, and I, I, I dream of the day that my team is doing that, you know, but hasn't become reality. But if someone was to start talking about the Patriots, I have a good friend who pastors up in Boston, and every time the Patriots play, you know, the Texans, he, he texts me and starts talking smack, and I always talk smack back, knowing I'm going to get creamed anyways, but we have fun, but you know. But, but he, he talks smack. And, and guess what? At Super Bowl Sunday, he's, he's texting me like crazy. Can you believe Tom Brady, the greatest comeback of all time? And the truth is I couldn't deny it because I was sitting there watching with my own two eyes. I was like, yeah, there it is. I can't deny this, right? So it's one thing to argue with someone that you don't like a team. It's another thing for me to say to my friend, well, that didn't happen. He said, what are you talking about? So Super Bowl didn't happen. That's all made up. That's all just TV generated. That's all CGI. None of that really happened. There's really not a Tom Brady. There's no Bill Belichick. They didn't win the Super Bowl. That's the whole thing was just made up. It's all a lie. They're all in on it. And it just, they made it look like they won. And they made it look like that's real, but it's really not real. You would say, okay, Bill, it's okay not be a fan, but now you're losing your mind. 
Now you're trying to pretend like you don't exist. See, I'm not asking you right now whether you like Jesus. We'll get to that in a minute. You can't deny all the historical evidence of eyewitnesses. People say, well, how many eyewitnesses were there? Over 500 to be exact. Over 500 eyewitnesses who saw Jesus raise again. We put people in jail for life off of one witness. There were over 500 witnesses who saw Jesus rise again. There is not a single shred of evidence from their day, from any historian that was writing about history that says this didn't happen. But there's historian after historian after historian that say it did happen. How are you going to deny this? This is a historical fact. Let me just give you one quote from one historian who was not a Christian. This guy was Jewish. So he was a Jewish guy, which means he did not exactly go in his favor to write positively about Jesus because Jews didn't like Jesus. And he worked for the Romans, so his paycheck came from Rome, and he wrote all this history about how Rome killed the Messiah. Now, that doesn't sound very popular either for a guy who gets paid by the Romans, and he happens to be Jewish, and yet he has to admit that Jesus is legit, because if he didn't, then no one would believe he's a good historian. And if you ask any Jewish scholar to this day, you say, who's the greatest Jewish historian of all time? They're going to quote as fast as you would say Michael Jordan when, you, when we ask who the best NBA player of all time is, you say Michael Jordan like that, they would say Josephus. And here is a quote from Josephus' book called Antiquities. And if Christ has not been raised in all... I'm sorry, let me back up. At this time, there was a wise man who was called Jesus. And his conduct was good and he was known to be virtuous. And many people from among the Jews and other nations became his disciples. Pilate condemned him to be crucified and to die. And those who had become his disciples did not abandon his discipleship. They reported that he had appeared to them three days after his crucifixion and that he was alive. Accordingly, he was perhaps the Messiah concerning whom the prophets have recounted wonders. Wow. Historical evidence. There is so much evidence I don't even have time to go into here. But you need to understand this. Your faith in Christ is legit. It is historically and archaeologically accurate. It actually happened, not to mention scientifically accurate. I don't have time to go into it, but I've done a whole series on that too, that science backs up the belief in the God, there being a God and, and ultimately God coming out through the way of Jesus Christ. The bottom line is this. Number one, the resurrection of Jesus proves that your faith is real. It proves that your faith is real. Guys, here's the thing. You can look at all other world religions. I love when people tell me, well, it doesn't really matter who you believe in. Just be sincere. I'm like, what if you're sincerely wrong? That, that just doesn't work. I mean, you, you, have to, you have to ask what's right. And so the bottom line is, is that we have world religion. That's a world religion where there's some founder who said, here, I know the way, and I found the way, and so follow my ways, and then you'll eventually go to heaven. Some of them said, I am God. Some of them said, I know the way to God. Most of them just said, I, I am I'm the way to God. And then they would say, do all these things, and you can get to God. And then they all died. And that was the end of the story. Mohammed taught all these people, do this, do this, do that. Then he died. And that was the end of Mohammed. Uh, and then there's, of course, Confucius. And he taught all these great things, and then he died. And that was the end of Confucius. And all these other religious leaders, they all taught all these things, and then they died. But then Jesus taught all these things, then he died. Then he came back to life. That's the difference between our faith and all other world religions. Our faith is real. It's legit. He really rose again. And that changes everything. That one event changes everything, and you should have confidence. Please do not check your brain at the door. You can embrace your faith, not only emotionally, but also intellectually. He really did rise again 
from the grave. I was just watching news the other night, and there was an attorney that, that used his skills as an attorney, as a trial lawyer, to say, if I put Jesus on trial, is there enough evidence con- to convict him to be the Messiah? And what he found was, the evidence is there. It would, it would pass a court of law. He would be found guilty as the Messiah from all the evidence. It's real, guys. And we can stand firm in our faith. The resurrection of Jesus proves that your faith is real. I want to stop this venture real quick and just encourage you to come next week for a brand new series we're starting. Don't miss next week. We're doing a series called Escape Artist. The whole thing is about this crazy human condition we all have where we keep getting ourselves in messes. If you're like me, you get yourself in messes all the time. And so you have to escape your own mess, escape your own problems. So next week, we're starting a brand new series on how to escape the biggest problem in your life. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a habit you can't kick. Maybe it's a problem at work. Maybe it's a big mess you're in your relationships. I don't know what your problem is, but we all have problems we need to escape. Be sure to join us next week as we start the new series called Escape Artists. In fact, next week, on this stage, I will attempt to escape a regulation straitjacket. Right here on stage... Don't miss next week. It's going to be a lot of fun. Is that cool? All right. See you next week for Escape Artists. All right. So the number one thing we need to realize that Easter proves is that our faith is real. Number two is the resurrection of Jesus proves that God is in control. It says in Ephesians chapter 1, it says, I pray that you will begin to understand how incredibly great his power is to help those who believe him. It is that same power that raised Christ from the dead. So the same power that rose Christ from the dead is available to you and me to help us through whatever we are facing. Isn't that great news to know that? That same power is available. Now, I know the number one message of Easter is to receive Christ, but I do believe it's also important we recognize that we have the power of Christ to overcome anything that we're facing in our life. I wrote an article about this Friday in Friday's paper in the Caller.com, uh, Caller Times, about this because the truth is, is that we do have the power of Christ to overcome whatever our struggle is. And so when you say, I'm powerless, I just can't overcome this. If you're a Christian, you're the power of Christ. And if Christ can overcome death, then you can overcome your addiction. You can overcome the divorce you're going through. You can overcome your struggle at work. You can overcome your debt. You can overcome whatever you're facing. The good news to know that if Jesus got up, you can get up too. And so you can overcome whatever you're facing. It says in Isaiah 41 10, so don't worry because I'm with you. Don't be afraid because I'm your God. You know another translation that says fear not. Do you know how many times it says fear not in the Bible? This is really cool. It says fear not in the Bible 365 times. There's enough for every day of the year you're not supposed to be afraid. Fear not. It says, for I am your God. I will make you strong and will help you. I will support you with my right hand that saves you. When it says my right hand that saves you, guess who sits on the right hand of the Father? Jesus. So he's saying, he is my right hand. He is the way you know I will save you because I sent him to you. Does that make sense? So he says, I will help you. You know, stress is primarily caused by trying to control the uncontrollable. You ever tried that? We get stressed out, don't we? Oh, this kid's driving me crazy. I can't get him to act right. Right, you can't control them because they're their own person. As much as you hate that, they are their own person. You cannot control them. I know I've tried to put remote controls in them too. I'm like, come on, do this, just, just obey, you know, mute, mute, mute. Ah! You cannot control them, right? You can't control your kids. You can't control a 16-year-old, much less a 2-year-old. You can't control your spouse. You can't control your boss, your employees. You can't control people. You know what else you can't control? You cannot control what people think about you. Some people have just made up their mind what they think about you, and there's nothing you can do to change it. You can't control that. I, just, I hate to break it to you, but what people think about you is none of your business. 
In fact, I've got some good news for those of you who are worried about what people think about you. They're not. <laughs> They're too busy thinking about themselves. We get so consumed with what other people think. We, we get consumed with trying to control things we can't control. You can't control the weather. You can't control the economy. You can't control the price of oil. Boy, I wish we could. Wouldn't that be nice? You can't control uh, w- world economies. You can't control what dictators do around the world. Man, I wish we could, right? I mean, we can't control all of those things. We can try to influence it, but we can't control other people. There's so much we can't control. And so here's what I want to encourage you to do. Rather than being stressed all the time, instead of panicking, instead of panic, pray. Instead of worry, worship. Instead, just say, God, I trust that you're in control, that you've got this, and you've got me in the palm of your hands. You've got the situation. Lord, you know what you're doing. It's okay. He knows what he's doing. Some of us today need to resign as manager of the universe, only to discover it will run itself tomorrow. Isn't that cool to know that? In fact, let me just ask you this question. Would you agree that God has more resources than you? Then if God says he's going to take care of you, then don't you know he has more than enough to take care of you? Whatever your problem is, he can handle it. The Lord says, if you'll just believe in me, you can trust it. I will handle your problems. I will handle your situation. God is in control. Even when things seem out of control, God really is in control. The third thing that Easter proves, that, that the resurrection of Jesus proves, is that God keeps his promises. And it's good to know that God keeps his promises. You know, unlike people who don't keep their promises, God keeps his promises. It says in Numbers 23, 19, God isn't like people. He doesn't change his mind. When he says something, he does it. When he makes a promise, he keeps it. You know, people break their promises. Maybe you've unfortunately fallen in love with someone who didn't keep their promise to you. Maybe you had a boss that promised you something and they didn't come through a raise or a promotion. Maybe you have a good friend that promised you they would, they would keep your secret and then they didn't do it. We've all had betrayals and broken promises from people. And if we're real honest with ourselves, we also will have to admit we've, we've even been the ones who've broken promises because we're, we're humans. But God's not like that. He keeps his word, which by the way, he gives you his word. And I got something great to tell you about his word too. Did you know there's over 7,000 promises in the word of God that you can claim on your life? Isn't that cool? There's an old church hymn that says, standing on the promises of God, my Savior. Some of you guys know the song, right? And so you can stand on God's promises. Maybe you're struggling in a certain area. Find a verse on that area and claim that verse and stand on that promise. Years ago, when we started this church, it was me, my wife, and our one six-week-old baby at the time when we moved to Corpus Christi, Texas. We didn't know a single person here. We planted this church by, by, I just gathered as many people as I could. I came up with five people over two weeks. It took me forever to get those five people. to show up in the living room of my little one-bedroom apartment. And we had a little Bible study, and I said, this isn't a Bible study. This is going to be a church. And this one day will be a church of thousands of people. And they all looked at me like I was crazy, because all I had was a crazy dream. But I stood on a promise. Acts 2.47 says, and the Lord added to their number daily. So I said, God, your word says that the original church, the, the book of Acts, in, in, in the, the church of Acts, you added at least one person to their church every day. So God, I'm going to stand on that as a promise and ask you to give us at least 365 people a year as a church in growth. And guess what? Look around. Look at the campus you're at. Look around. God has kept his promise. God will keep his promise for you too. Some of you are standing on a promise right now. Some of you are single and you're like, Lord, promise me a man. Great. If, Jesus, if God can raise Jesus from the dead, he can give you a man. 
Some of you are like, that's about the equivalent, Pastor. No, it's not. No, it's not. He can do it. No miracles required. He can bring you a man. He can bring you a woman. He can bring you the job you want. He can help you through your situation. He can help you get out of that debt. He can turn your faith around. He can get you out of depression. He can help you overcome that addiction. He can get you through that divorce. He is enough to help you rise through all that and more. Stand on his promises. Stand on his promises. Because he keeps his word. How does he do that? Look at 2 Corinthians 1. It says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ to the glory of God. Now, it is God who makes you stand firm in Christ. He says, he anointed us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. So when Christ died and rose again, what God's saying is, if Jesus can say he's going to die and raise again, then do it. Then when I say I'm going to do something for you, then I'm going to come through as well. If he says he's going to do it, just because it hasn't happened yet doesn't mean it's not going to happen. You say, no, don't get my hopes up, Pastor. No, I'm trying to get your hopes up because you can hope in Christ because he comes through. You need to place faith in the Lord again and say, God, I just trust that you're going to help me through this. Stand on the promises of God. He will come through for you. Look at John 3.16. I feel like it's only appropriate on Easter Sunday that we use John 3.16, one of the greatest verses of all time. It says this, for God so loved the world, that's you and me, we're the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes, did you catch that? It said whoever. It doesn't say whoever with a clause. There's no clause in there. It doesn't say whoever, unless you voted for the current president. I don't know. <laughs> unless you voted for the last president. I don't know. Unless you're, you know, you got to be Baptist, and then you're in, or, or Church of Christ, or, or you got to be Catholic, or you got you to be this or that. You know, there's no flavor you got to be. Oh, oh, well, it's, it, he died for whoever is nice, for whoever gives you 90 away, for whoever doesn't sleep around, for whoever never, never did pot, for whoever didn't party at spring break, for whoever. It doesn't say that. There's no clause here. It says whoever believes in him. And maybe you're hearing this for the first time in church, or maybe you're watching on the screen, and you're in a club right now, and you're like, there's no way that I can be... I can receive Christ from where I'm at, from what I can view right now. You know what? That's just not true. You can receive Jesus from anywhere, anyone, anytime. It's for everyone. There are no clauses. There are no conditions. He says, whoever believes in him shall not perish. That means die. But have eternal life. That means heaven. If you accept Jesus, you will not die. You'll simply close your eyes one day and wake up in the arms of Jesus. That's how it works. Whoever, anyone who wants him. He says, for God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Jesus is not pointing his finger like this at you. He's pointing his finger like this saying, come here. I love you. I want to forgive you. I want to give you a fresh start. Jesus cares for you. He loves you. He, he came to die for you. So here's the thing. This is why Jesus died for you. Because he wanted to forgive you your sins, give you a fresh start, but also because he wants to give you heaven. So here's a, let me give you a couple of facts real quick. I feel like you should get the truth. I don't want to give you fake news. I want to give you the real thing. So here's the truth, okay? If you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you pray a simple prayer and ask Christ to come in your life, then you will one day die and go to heaven. If you do not receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you will one day die and go to hell. That's not a popular truth, but it's still the truth. I mean, gravity is not popular if you're falling either. But you're not going to be able to change that. 
And so the principle remains the same. The Bible says this, that if you receive Jesus, you go to heaven. If you don't, you go to hell. God does not send anyone to hell. We send ourselves there by rejecting Jesus. But if you receive him, you get heaven. I know you're like, man, this has got a little uncomfortable, Pastor. I mean, I was fine until you started about heaven and hell. And I mean, that's really offensive. You're saying anyone doesn't accept Jesus is going to hell. Don't get mad at the messenger. That's what the Bible says. This is what Jesus clearly taught. And since he died and rose again, I figure we should go with what he says. And he says, hey, this is how it works. You've got to receive me. And this may seem uncomfortable to talk about hell, but here's the truth. If I don't share the truth with you, then your blood's on my hands, and I don't want that. So I feel like I should warn you. I feel like from one person to another, if I'm going to be a good friend of yours, I should tell you the truth. Because I don't want you to go to hell. Friends don't let friends go to hell. And so I want you to know the truth. And so do you, you like this staging that kind of nice and all creative and all that? I love all this stuff, all the modern look. But you may look and say, well, look, this, this doesn't really match. The cross doesn't quite match the stage. It's not supposed to match. It's supposed to stand out. It doesn't blend in. The cross has never blended in in anything. Why do you think in Hollywood you can believe in anything but Jesus? The reason you can believe in anything but Jesus in Hollywood is because all those other things just blend in, but Jesus stands out. It hacks them off when you bring up Jesus. You can believe in anything else you want. They don't care at all. I believe in this shoe. That's great. You should do that. I believe in Jesus. I'm offended. (laughs) Why is there only one of them that offends them? It must be evidence that's the real thing. Jesus is real. And I'm going to be honest with you, the whole heaven and hell thing is really uncomfortable, but I'm not really that worried about inconveniencing your uncomforting, making you uncomfortable, because here's the truth. Jesus hanging on the cross was uncomfortable. Having nails go through your hands and your feet was uncomfortable. So I feel like you deserve the truth. And the truth is we need Jesus. And, but, but here's the good news. You can receive him right now. I'm going to pray a prayer in just a moment, and, and you can know for sure that you're going to go to heaven because of what Jesus did for you. Again, he says, for whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. You get heaven automatically without even being good. How cool is this? So I can still be a jerk and go to heaven? Yep. It hacks off. I'm telling you, it hacks off religious people when I say this. They're like, I don't like that. I don't want them to go to heaven. Well, someone didn't want you to go. But if you accepted Jesus, you're in. Thank the Lord. Right? It's not based on how good or bad we are. Can I tell you something? I'm going to tell you a really hard truth right now. I'm just like, if we're going to get out there, let me just get out there. If I haven't hacked you off yet, this should do it. So let me just tell you this right now. Some of you grew up Baptist, and you think you're, in, you're going to go to heaven. But if you don't accept Jesus and you grew up Baptist your whole life, you're not going to heaven. If you grew up Methodist, and you went every single week, paid your tithe, went to Sunday school, and did a lot of good things, and you didn't accept Jesus, you're not going to heaven. If you grew up Catholic, and you went every single week, and you paid your tithe, and you served, and you did all kinds of great things, and you, 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 you were always doing what the priest told you to do, but you never accepted Jesus, you're going to hell. If you're Jewish, and you feel like you got the bloodline going on. And my mom and dad told me, I'm in, and I'm part of this special group. And that's great. And it's true that God clearly chose them to reveal his plan of salvation through the Jews and on through you and me. And my Savior is Jewish. But if you don't accept Jesus, I don't care if you're Jewish or not. You're not going to heaven. No one gets to heaven without Jesus. If you come to this church... If you come to this church and you serve every week and you love God and you care for people and you pray and you do all those things, but you've never prayed to ask Jesus in your heart, you're not in. And I know you think, man, this is so specific. It is. 
And that's why I'm trying to paint a very clear picture for you so that you don't miss. It's not about being religious. It's not about being good or bad. It's about accepting Jesus Christ and what he's done for you. It really just comes down to that. You're saying, Shaw, I don't have to be good or bad. No. I hope you are good just for the sake of being good, meaning that it's always a good thing to be good. But that has nothing to do with heaven. Because the only way to get to heaven is you either be perfect, which I'm pretty sure you and I blew that plan a long time ago, <laughs> or to know someone who is. And there's only one. Jesus, Jesus was perfect. Sinless. <laughs> Died on the cross for us. So do you have your reservation in? Do you have your ticket? Do you know for sure you're going to heaven? The Bible says that, that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. It means the moment you die, boom, immediately your eternity starts. And so if you know Jesus, the moment you die, boom, you just close your eyes, you open your eyes again, and you're in front of Jesus in heaven. How cool is that? If you, now, if you close your, if, if you die in, when you blink you, and you open your eyes, you're not in front of Jesus, it means you didn't receive him, and then you're in hell. And hell is not what people think. People think, oh, hell's going to be cool. I'm going to be with all my friends. No, that's not what the Bible says. In fact, you're going to be totally alone. People are like, I'm going to party in hell. No, not going to go down like that. I hate to break it to you. That's not how it's going to happen. It's actual total isolation. Did you know that you're not even with anyone ever? It's total pitch blackness. You're total isolation. There's tormenting. It's horrible. It's hot. It's miserable. Did you know that's what hell's like? I mean, hell honestly is like Hell. You don't want this. Heaven is what you want. Do you have your ticket? Here's the great thing, too. Once you receive Jesus, you're in. You're not going to get bumped like United Airlines flight. You're in. <laughs> so right now. Sorry, bad joke. I, know. I couldn't resist it. I haven't taken my ADD medicine yet. Sorry. So right now, if you've never prayed to receive Christ, you can receive him by praying this very simple prayer. The Bible says today is the day of your salvation. This is your moment. This is your opportunity. And by the way, please don't think, oh, I don't want to see Jesus because I still have some questions I need answered. I got some scientific questions that I need to know about the universe and how all this stuff works. And so, okay, so you're not going to accept Jesus until every scientific question you have is answered. Let's first of all get something else out of the way and realize that your mind is not even capable of understanding all of the universe's ways about our creation. Are we, do we even think we're capable? I mean, do you know the arrogance to think that we can even understand all that? So you're going to miss Jesus because you don't have all the questions answered about the universe and therefore not to get to meet him and even ask him. Well, I don't live my life by faith. I live it by reason. Really? So the iPad you use, you understand how all those ones and zeros work? Because that'd be very hypocritical for you just to turn it on and use it. Or are you just taking it by faith? That airplane you get on, you're telling me you really understand flight? You understand how lift works? How literally it lifts the plane? There's a tin can that's thousands of pounds that just gets up in the air? You really understand all that? Or could it be that maybe you just get on the plane by faith? Amen. You do live by faith all the time. Right. Please don't miss heaven because you feel like you've got to have every question answered. We've already revealed to you evidence that a man claimed to be God and proved that he was more than man by raising, new life, by raising to new life. We've already shown you the history of that today. There's archaeological evidence this over and over and over again. Don't miss heaven because you still have some questions. I've got tons of questions. Well, if I go to the seminary, I get all this answer. No, when you come out of the seminary, you have more questions. 
Now they're just intelligent questions. It's going to take faith. Well, what if you're wrong, Pastor? Then you wasted an hour of your life today. But what if you're wrong? What if you're wrong? Then you missed eternity. That's not something I gamble with. A lot of people are planners today. Maybe you're a big planner. You're like, okay, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to graduate high school. I'm going to go off to this college, get my degree. Awesome. Then what are you going to do after that? I like talking to the planners, right? Oh, then I'm going to get a job in this field or this industry. Oh, awesome. Then what are you going to do? Then I'm going to climb the ranks and eventually become more like the executives. Or I'm going to get five, six years experience and I'm going to start off and branch out and do my own business in the same industry and grow that great. Then what are you going to do? I'm going to have a business here. And I'm going to start franchising and go there and go there. And then what are you going to do? And then I'm going to hand the whole thing over to my kids. Or I'm going to sell the whole business for millions of dollars and go retire up in the mountains. And oh, awesome. And then what? I'm going to enjoy my life and all my money. And awesome. And then what? And then I'm going to enjoy all my money. And... What do you mean, and then what? And then what? Well, and I guess I'm going to get older. And... and then what? And then I'm probably going to die. And then what? You didn't think that through? That's so short-sighted. You do realize you're going to be dead a lot longer than you're going to be alive. So if you're going to plan it out, you may want to plan a little further. Do you know where you're going to go? Make sure you know. Let's bow our heads. I want to challenge you to pray a simple prayer. You can receive Christ right now. With your head bowed and your eyes closed. We're going to pray this prayer out loud together by faith. You can pray this with us and receive Jesus. You can say, Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for coming back to life again. Proving that you're God. I repent of my sins. I ask you to come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name we pray. Amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.